So the last several weeks, we've been uh, talking about the essentials to living a strong, vibrant faith. And last week, we talked about the importance of vision. How many of you know it's important that you have vision? And in Proverbs 29, 18, says, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so without vision, not, not just physical vision, without mental vision, spiritual vision, without having knowledge of where God wants you to go and what God wants you to do, you're, you're just gonna, you're just gonna squander your life. You're just gonna live passionless life. And so it's important that every believer have a personal vision from God for their lives. And so a good question to ask is, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? What, how do you want me to spend this life that you gave me? How many of you know life is a gift? Life is a gift, isn't it? I know some people don't value life, but I still value life. What about you? And so life is a gift, and, and God's given us this life. And so we should ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with this life? Lord, what do you want me to do with what you blessed me with? How many of you know you're blessed today? You know, it doesn't matter how much money you have in your checking account or how much money you have in your pocket. I mean, I believe just living in America, being born in America, you're blessed. You're more blessed than 90% of the world. Amen. You know, I found out that, you know, even poor people can go to McDonald's dumpsters and get hamburgers. But in some parts of the country, it's so poor that, man, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Amen. Are y'all still with me yet? So, you know, a good question to ask is, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? What do you want to do? What, what do you want me to do with the relationships that you've blessed me with? What about with the gifts and the talents? What about with the finances you bless? Lord, how can I honor you with what you've given me? Having personal vision is really important. In fact, you need to be able to write it down. And that's what Habakkuk 2 says. Write the vision. Engrave it so plainly on tablets so that everyone can read it or everyone can run who reads. And I was thinking about this. You know, a good, a good, uh, uh, a good project would be to sit down in prayer with a pen and paper and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? And let the Lord speak to us and write down some thoughts. Lord, what do you want me to do with my relationships? And write down some thoughts. Lord, what do you want me to do with the gifts that you've given me? Write down some thoughts. And just let God formulate a vision for our life. How many of you think that would be a good exercise right there? Amen? But, I, you know, I thought about that, that, you know, not only do we need a, a personal vision, but we need a corporate vision, which means we have, we need, you know, a, a family vision. If we're part of a family, we need a family vision. If we're part of an organization, we need an organizational. How many of you know a team needs a vision? Amen. And how many of you believe a church needs a vision? Amos chapter 3 and 3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? See, a corporate vision for the local church is necessary for us to walk together as well as work together. Because otherwise we're going to be like the three stooges pulling in different directions. Amen. So if the local church is to be effective, it must follow a corporate, a clearly defined vision. So now when we talk about a church vision, it's important that we remember that we don't have the privilege of deciding what the vision of the church is. How many of you know that? The Lord already established that in his word. And so it's not our job to, to, to determine the vision. It's our job to figure it out and then to follow it. Does that make sense? How many of you know, it's not our job to say, uh, Jesus, I know you had a vision, but I got a better one. How many of you know that's not good? We got to follow the Lord's vision. So what is the corporate vision 
of the local church, of this church. The Lord gave the children of Israel a vision. Whenever he was uh, incorporating the Jewish Passover feast, he incorporated a vision for them. And in the Jewish Passover feast, they had four cups that they would toast to the four I will promises in Exodus chapter 6. And they would read that passage of scripture. Exodus 6, 6 says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. That's number one. From under the yoke of the Egyptians, I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you. That's the third one. With an outstretched arm and with a mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people. That's the fourth I will and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. What was the Lord doing? He was reminding them of where they were and where the Lord had taken them. And so the carpet vision of Exodus 6 is this. I will bring you out. How many of you know God promises us salvation? Amen. And so God's vision is that we know God. He wants us to know him. He wants every person to know him and know him in an intimate, personal way. Amen. And then he says, I will free you. God promises deliverance. God's vision is that we would live free. How many of you know you can't really enjoy your salvation until you get Egypt out of you? Amen. And then the third I will is I will redeem you. So God promises restoration. And so God's vision is that we would find purpose with our life, that we wouldn't just walk around stumbling around, but that we would have purpose for our life. And then finally, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. God promises a life of fulfillment. Amen. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Amen. So the Lord's vision has always been that his people would make a difference. How many of you know the Lord put us here on this globe to make a difference? Amen. And how many of you know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? We can make a difference. We can make a difference. So at Family Life's you know, we, we've, we've done, uh, we've incorporated a vision in a nutshell. And here's a chart right here that kind of explains it. So as you look at the chart, the vision is know God, live free, discover your purpose, and make a difference. If you wonder, what's the vision of the church? It's know God, live free, discover your purpose, make a difference. If you look at the great commandment and the great commission, you'll find this in there. How many of you know we are to love God, love our neighbor, and we are to go into the world and preach the gospel and, uh, and make disciples of all the nations? Amen. And so the four things we do is we, you know, we have weekend services for people to gather so they can know God. Amen. And then, uh, and, and so then, then we, uh, we incorporate live groups to help people grow and live free. How many of you know that spiritual growth happens more in relationship than in a congregational gathering? And so we have small groups and then discover your purpose. That's why we have the growth track is so that people can discover how God wired them so they can find out how God, uh, what God put into their life. And so they can begin employing it and serving God. And then finally, to make a, you know, to make a difference, you got to get on a serve team. You got to, how many of you know, we're better together. Amen. Come on together. We can do more than we can all by ourselves. Amen. Miss Tamara was just telling us she had a great week this week. She had a cousin come in from Alaska and they had several ladies meetings. And I don't know, was it 54 or 54 people got saved this weekend? Amen. Isn't that, or this week. Isn't that great? 
That's a great week, but that's what you call teamwork. Amen. And then the growth track in the growth track, you know, we encourage people. Hey, first of all, you got to make a decision to follow Christ and then you got to follow Jesus. You got to connect to the local church and life groups. Listen, let me just stop right there for a moment. You know, everybody is a child of God that gets saved and God doesn't want one child to be an orphan without a family. So he's got churches all over the globe. Why? So that every child can have a family. Amen? So it's important that we connect to the local family. And then finally, the growth track. And then step three is you got to discover your purpose. That's finding out your gifts and your, your wiring. And then step four is you got to serve others. That's how you're going to make a difference is by serving others. Amen? Come on, if you want to make a difference... Figure out how to serve others. And if you learn how to serve others, you're going to make a difference. Amen. And then finally, the growth action steps is whenever you go to step one, we encourage you to give your life to Christ and be baptized. It's identifying with the followers. Connect to the local church and life groups. And then finally, discover your God-given design, personality and spiritual gifts, and then serve on a serve team. So... These are the, just as an idea for us, as a staff, we say, okay, what are we trying to accomplish here? When somebody walks through the doors of the church, we got to have a vision. What are we trying to do? We're trying to help people know God. We're trying to help people live free. We're trying to help people discover their purpose so that we can all work together and we can make a difference. Amen. How many of you think that's important? Habakkuk 2.2 says, and the Lord said to me, write my answer on a billboard large and clear so that anyone can read it at a glance. So I think, you, you know, listen, as you look at this, you'll see, well, man, I saw something like that similar. Well, listen, the vision for every church should be the same. How many of you know every church should be interested in winning people to Christ? Every church. If, you're, if that's not your vision, what are we doing anyway? Amen? And so that should be the vision for every church. Now, for the rest of the time, we're going to talk about the five, the fifth essential of the life of the believer, I believe, is the essential of good works. How many of you know good works is never optional in the Christian faith? And this is what Jesus, or James said, James 2.17. So you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. You must also do good to prove that you have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good works is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. Now listen, we don't work our way to heaven. You don't work for salvation, but you're saved to do good works. James says, if you profess to be a Christian, then your faith should have good works. How many of you believe that's essential? It's essential. Your faith should have good works. If your faith does not have good works, then something is wrong with your faith. Does that make sense? In fact, James says, if your faith doesn't have good works, it's dead. It needs CPR. It needs resuscitation. It needs the paddles, the spiritual paddles. Amen? So our faith is not to be a dead faith. Our faith is to be a living, a lively faith. And so good works is having, what is good works? First of all, it's having, how many of you know if it's having Christ-likeness? Christ-like behavior of love and compassion towards others. You know, you know, sometimes people that are not Christians, they look at Christians as being critical, judgmental, and, and just being, you know, hard and harsh and, and no compassion. But how many of you know that's not Christianity? 
Christianity is to be loving. It's to be compassionate. Whenever we're, you know, sometimes I have to, I have to uh, minister to myself. Like, how many of you have been somewhere and and you're at, you know, Walmart or you're in the mall and you're trying to get something accomplished and you're not getting cooperation and the old man shows up. Come on. I need a better witness so I don't feel like the only heathen in the house today. Amen. But how many of you know, listen, whenever I go to the mall, whenever I go to Walmart, I need to act like Christ. Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. And so are y'all, are y'all with me? Okay, so good works. If your faith doesn't have good works, it's dead, it's useless. So first of all, good works is acting like a Christian. And John, 1 John 4 says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Oh my goodness. Did the Bible say that? He's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must love his brothers. Amen. In loving others, it proves that our faith is alive and it's genuine. Now, are y'all with me? If you got that, say, I got that. Now, good works is also observing the instructions and commands of God. You know, anybody can say, I'm a Christian. How many of you know that doesn't mean a whole lot anymore, right? It doesn't mean a whole lot. So, so what's real? What's, well, 1 John 2 says, we know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. Listen, if we have trouble obeying God's commands, we should question our faith. Verse 4 says, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. So what is John saying? Obedience to his commands is another hallmark of having faith that's alive. So you see, it's not just good enough to say, I have faith. The question is, is my faith alive? Is my faith alive? If my faith is alive, it should have the characteristics of Christ's likeness in my personality and in my attitude, and it should display itself in the way that I carry out my life in day in and day out. Amen? Good works is never optional. You know, there's a bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus. Well, how many of you know it don't take much effort to honk? Well, how about we say, if you love Jesus, obey his commands. How about we say, if you love Jesus, act like a Christian. That, how many of you know that? That has a little bit more teeth to it right there. Amen. It's easy to honk. In fact, we honk whether we love Jesus or not. Amen. And so we need to, we need to uh, have some teeth to our faith. So good works is never optional for the local church. It's never optional. To be influential, the church has to be characterized by good works. Or otherwise, we're just going to exist. And so Matthew 5.14, this is what Jesus said about the church. He said this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that's in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your, see, I'm checking to see if you follow me. Let your light shine that they may see your, 
and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Now, Jesus clearly identifies the responsibility of the church is to be the light of the world. And then he equates the church as light to good works, to being Christ-like, to having Christ-like involvement and activity, and to follow the commands of the Lord. And so in Matthew 5.16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. How do you let your light shine? Do good works. How do you shine your light in dark places? You let the light of Christ shine through you. Amen. It's through good works of the local church that God's light shines into the dark places of the world. Amen. And so listen, if there is darkness at your work, you're the light. If there's darkness in your neighborhood, you're the light. If there's darkness in your city, it's we're the light. Amen. Come on, this little light of mine. How many of you remember that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. How many of you know? And listen, everybody else is coming out of the closet. It's time for the Christians to come out of the closet, not be judgmental, critical, fault-finding, but we should let the light of Jesus shine through us that the world may know that there's hope. Amen. So to be influential, the church has to be characterized by good works. And it's through the good works It's through good works of the local church that God's light shines. A good question to ask at the end of the year is, you know, I I try to ask this question, is family life church giving off any light? Are we giving off any light? And so we try to find a way to assess that. And at the end of every year, we try to assess our impact and our influence. And so I want to give you just a little report of how how we kind of just look at this. And and one of the ways is that we look at our online influence. How many of you know that you can impact people? The devil's using the internet to get people into bondage. How many of you know you can use the internet to get people saved, to get people going in their spiritual journey? Are y'all with me out there? And so look at this. Online, we're reaching over 10 countries, average 1,417 users per month, 3,567 followers, over 200 or 2,500 videos played, over 2,400 visits in 2016. People are going on the internet to find out more about church. How many of you know that's a good thing right there? Amen? So we're impacting at least a few people through online presence. But what about outreach? Let me just kind of give you just a little quick snapshot. It's not everything, but it's just a little bit to know about. We've helped 75 families recover from the flood and over 150 servers served to help these people. Over 1,500 meals were given out to the homeless in the city through helping hands. How many of you know, say praise God. Over 800 meals to students, UL students, when they come to a meal and a message, where they eat a meal and they hear the word of God, and, and, and students are getting saved. Over 200 Bibles given away, mainly through services, but Lafayette Parish and Vermilion Parish Jail. Do you know that every inmate, that every, every person that goes to jail in Lafayette Parish or Vermilion Parish, if they're interested in a Bible, we help these organizations give those inmates a Bible. Amen? How many of you think that's a good idea right there? Amen? Listen, we've supplied free school supplies to over a 1,000 students to begin the 2016 and 17 school year. We provided free kids camp to over 340 students, which resulted in 131 salvations. 
Come on, no, no, no. That ought to be a praise the Lord. Amen. Over 200 people participating in our citywide serve day, cleaning, painting, fixing roofs, organizing homes, block party, feeding the homeless, handing out water in the park, school supplies, all this stuff. And at least 50 people got saved that weekend and that weekend alone. Amen. We made an impact in our community through the good works of the congregation. In reach, 60 people completed the spiritual growth track. Um, 300 plus serving on our serve teams. 75 people were water baptized this year. Over 400 people, uh, 450 people prayed to receive Christ in 2016. Amen. Isn't that great? People are getting saved and disciples are being made through the works, missions. We planted 10 churches throughout the world, two in China, three in South America, three in South Asia, one in Mexico, one in India. We helped build a school and an orphanage in India, you know, where all these kids are getting pulled off the streets. We helped reach Jews who are returning to Israel, God's chosen people. We're helping reach them, amen? And in all, we sold $338,000 into missions throughout 2016 in an economy that's oppressed. I say, praise God, glory to God in the highest. Amen. Amen. Our light is impacting the world for Christ. Multiplication. We've either planted or continuing to financially support and help build a few churches. Submerged Family Church, who uh, who Thomas and, and Cindy Bim, who came out of this church, they got a church that's going in Karen Crow. Family Life Church in Leesville, Pastor Jesse and Jamie, they're, they're reaching people in uh, Leesville and in the Derrida area, Family Life Church in Abbeville. Pastor Dick and Carla are reaching people in Abbeville. And now we just started a weekly Bible study, uh, a bi-weekly Bible study in New Iberia. And, and, and Thursday night, we had a candlelight service there. 75 people uh, were there and, and our serve team was there and we're reaching people in New Iberia. Amen. Can I get a better amen this morning? So we're multiplying our fruitfulness by planning and helping new churches. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Is our faith alive? Is the faith of our church alive? Well, it has everything to do with, oh, we're doing something. Are we doing something for the Lord? Are y'all with me? Are y'all following along with me? And so listen, we can't judge our, our success by whether we got new paint on the building or whether we serve gumbo for a thousand people. Is it having spiritual impact? Amen? To be an influential church, the church has to be characterized by good works. Now listen, doing good works is not a suggestion, but the responsibility of every believer. How can a church have impact? It has everything to do with the people that are inside the church. The church is not brick and mortar. The church is not stained glass. The church is the people. Amen? Listen, everything that you see on this campus could burn down to ashes. Lord, I pray not. Amen? But you know what the reality is? If every piece of wood burnt down on this campus, the church would still be alive and well because you are the church. Amen. Amen. We're the church. Amen. And so it's the responsibility of every believer. We're created for good works. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works 
which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are to encourage others to do good works. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and the good works. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen. So we have no excuses for not excelling in good works because God created us to do it. God encourages us to do it. And he's given us the grace to do it. We have everything we need to do something for Jesus. Amen. You say, well, man, I wish I had. That's an excuse. You can't say I wish I had. If you have breath, if you're hearing me, if you have the mental faculty to absorb what I'm saying, you are a great candidate to do something large for Jesus. Amen. Amen. You see, I think one of the things that the enemy tries to do is make us feel that we don't matter, that we don't have anything. And he just tries to muddy the water so much that we're like, what am I going to do? How am I going to help? Well, how many of you know that God wants us to make a difference? So can I conclude today by just giving us just a couple of ways to excel in good works? Well, if you want to or not, I'm going to do it, all right? You have to get up and leave if you don't want to hear this, but I'm going down that track. Amen. Because, you know, at the end of the day, whenever I stand before the Lord, I'm going to have to give an account for my life personally as a Christian, but I'm going to have to give an account for how I led this church. And did I make it a country club or did I do good works? Did I let the light shine? Did I I try? And so it's my responsibility to keep the vision before the people. It's my responsibility to say, hey, gang, we don't have time to let our faith die. We need to get some spiritual paddles on our spiritual heart and and jolt it and get it alive, get a heartbeat going. Amen? And that's why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because our tendency is for our heart rate to go down. The world will help your heart rate go, go down. Your flesh will help your heart rate go down. But we need the move of the Spirit of God, the passion of God to ignite fresh fire in us so at the end of 2017, we can stand here and say, man, praise the Lord. We might not be winning the whole world, but praise God, we're doing a little something for Jesus. Amen. Are are y'all following me this morning? And so let's talk about four ways to excel in good works. Number one, employ your gifts and talents by serving on a serve team. 1 Peter 4, 10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has to receive to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. You know, this past summer we had a serve day. I don't know, how many of you were here for serve day? And, and we had a serve day and there was, I don't know, this whole section right here was filled with people and most of us had those red t-shirts on and 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 you know some of us went fix how fix a roof and some of us painted and and, you know west side school that flooded a couple of months later but how many of you know it's all right it's gonna be all right amen we handed out flyers inviting people to school supply and gave water to people that were sweating in the parks and man there was just people everywhere but you know you can't do that without a serve team how many of you know I might be able to do a few things, but I'm not Bugs Bunny. Come on, how many of you know I can't pitch the ball, catch the ball, hit the ball, you know, run the bases? How many of you know I'm not Bugs Bunny? Amen. 
Some more, some more good theology for you. Last week it was three stooges. This week it's Bugs Bunny. Amen. I'm getting deep on you. I know. But how many of you know that? Listen, God has given all of us. And that's what first Peter four says. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Listen, I just want to encourage you. If you hadn't already attended our growth track, please sign up and go. So you can find out how God wired you. And after you're done, our goal, remember the chart? We're going to try to get you on a serve team and so that you can start. We're trying to create an environment and an opportunity for you to use at least some of the life that the Lord has given you working in the kingdom of God. Listen, let me take a moment to say this. If you're living your life building an empire, a financial empire, good for you. But if you're not using that empire for the kingdom and for the glory of God, you should not build a kingdom unto yourself. You should be, you should use your life for the kingdom and the glory of God. Should I duck? Are there any tomatoes coming at me right now? Well, listen, that's, that's a pretty harsh saying, isn't it? But listen, Listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to work hard and enjoy the fruit of our labor. In fact, the Bible says we should do that. But we should not invest our life and omit the kingdom of God. Are we about the... Do we believe in the kingdom of God? Do we believe that souls should be saved and go to heaven? Do we believe that? If we believe that, we should be getting involved in that. I don't know how else to say it. Amen? I don't know how else to say it. But you know what I found that, you know, listen, you know, I just read something. In New York City, the average length of time that a man lives after he retires is two years. It's two years. Why? Because they've lost vision. Their whole vision was about building their own life and they finally retire and they got everything they need, but they no longer have vision. How many of you know when you get a vision for God, it never expires. You never get done with it. It will outlive your life and you can leave a legacy and the fruit of your labor will impact others long after you're gone. And one day we'll stand in heaven and we'll say, look at the crowd of people. And the Lord will say, you see that one? You see that one? You see that? When the reason they're here is because you invested your life and you helped me build my kingdom and that's why there are more people in heaven spending eternity with me. Let's not waste our life. Let's use it for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Amen. Come on. Can I get a better amen? Can I get a better amen? Come on. I need a better amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. I've never met anybody on their deathbed that said, man, I wish I would have did less for the kingdom. Nobody ever said that because you're not wasting your life to do that. Amen? So first, employ your gifts and talents. Number two, invest your financial resources to support the local church and mission. Listen to what 1 Timothy 6 says, 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Our tendency is to trust our money. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. There it is right there. See, God gives us what we need for our enjoyment. He doesn't want us to like, you know, be sad. He wants us to enjoy. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others.
By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So I encourage you to invest your finances in the kingdom of God. Number three, extend God's grace by loving and caring for others. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. How many of you know God has equipped us with his grace to do good works? And if we'll just let the grace flow, God has showered us with his grace so we can shower others with his grace. Amen? We're not to be a reservoir. We're we're just, it's supposed to flow through us. And the more it flows through us, the more grace we'll experience. And how many of you know you can smile and extend grace? I heard a testimony, a brother just encouraging me this morning. He said, man, I'm grateful that you smile. And he was talking, he was telling me about he encountered somebody that wasn't too friendly and he found out they were a pastor and it made him appreciate me. I was like, well, praise the Lord, you know, go hang out with him more. Maybe you'll appreciate me more, you know, but no, you know, I'm just kidding. But are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Again, let me just stop to say the world Whenever they say, talk about the church, they say, man, Christians are critical. They're judgmental. They're fault-fighting. And sometimes that's all they sense from us is, is that kind of spirit. But man, we should be the most loving person in the room, the most compassionate person, the most patient person in the room. And man, patience. Isn't that a like ungodly word? Patience. How many of you had trouble with patience the last few weeks in Lafayette on the streets? Am I the only heathen in here again? Is anybody else? Come on. Uh, uh, When you find yourself, come on, light. Come on, light. Come on. Hey, hey, the light is green. Come on, let's go. Oh, man. And your blood pressure, your, your veins are popping out. Oh, And your lovely wife is just looking at you, smiling, going, praise the Lord. (laughs) Pass the time. Come on. Let the light of Jesus shine in you this morning. Amen. Extend God's grace. Extend God's grace. Amen. And then finally, leverage your relational influence with others to reach them for Christ. And this is what 2 Corinthians 5.18 says. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, people want to know, I want to know what's my ministry. Well, our first ministry is to reconcile others to Christ. In other words, we are to leverage our influence to get other people closer to Jesus. And how many of you know influence is is a blessing? If somebody will allow you to influence them, that's a blessing. And we should take, we should not take that lightly. We should be a steward of our influence and use our influence to influence people positively and not negatively. Amen? And so like this, you know, this coming next Saturday, we're going to have a candlelight service and a lot of family. Some of you I know will be going the other way, out of town, but some of you have friends, family. 
What about if you know somebody that doesn't have any family that you invite them to your house for Christmas Eve and leverage that influence? And then maybe say, hey, would you come to church with me? Who knows? Man, listen, the worship team, I'm telling you, it's going to be off the chain. Our, our musicians are incredible. And listen, we got a new generation that's coming up. Our young people, they're going to blow your socks off. You might as well not wear them. <clears throat> Amen? Just come without socks. You'll be better off. But they are going to just... But listen, God, that's their gift. God's raising them up. Amen? <clears throat> but my point is, what if we just... Do you know that 75 to 90% of the people that become Christian become Christian because either a family or a friend impacted their life? And there's people that are not Christian right now that God may give us the opportunity. What greater thing could we do for somebody than to, to help them solidify their eternity? So whenever they say, this is it, they breathe their last, they get to spend their whole eternity with Jesus. Is there anything better than that? There is it, right? Amen. And so Jesus, or James said, if you see it, is it enough just to have faith? You must also do good to prove that you have faith. Faith that does not show itself by good works is no faith at all. It's dead and useless. So I guess the question as we, as we conclude today is, is my faith alive? Am I doing anything? And so I know I know there are tons of us, tons of you in here that are because we wouldn't be able to say all what we said that we were able to accomplish if it wasn't for faithful people. And so, man, thank God for that. But you know what? We should always strive for doing a little bit more, don't you think? Just doing a little bit more and not, not like, well, I did good last year. Let me, just, let me just slide this year. Let me just chill out this year. Come on, let's get some spiritual paddles and let's resuscitate our spiritual life because the very last thing we want is our faith to become dead and useless. Amen? Are y'all with me there? Come on, let's stand together and let's close in prayer. Would you just bow your head with me for one moment and I just want to take a moment to just pray for those of you here this morning you know, the, this time of year can just um, stir up a lot of emotion and it's not so good for a lot of people and sometimes it's, it's a heavy time, a dark time. And Listen, the Lord wants us all to experience His grace. So if you would just bow your head with me for a moment, I just want to ask you, if you're not a Christian yet, would you be willing to just take that step this morning and just say, Lord, I, I want your grace in my life. I want to live the Christian life. Listen, the reason why God did send Jesus and Jesus died on the cross, that was his good works. And the reason why he did that was to serve you and I, to give us a chance to have an abundant life. And so this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I just want to, I just want to encourage you to just respond to the love of God. He loves you and he wants you to be part of his family. I wish I could do it for you, but nobody can. You have to choose to do it. And so I want to pray for you. If you're not a Christian and you're ready to give it, give it your all and give your life to him.
You say, Todd, would you pray that prayer to be a Christian with me? Would you just raise your hand and just lift it high so I can see it? Just lift it high. Just If you're doubting whether you're a believer or you're a Christian, don't doubt. Don't let the enemy rob you of the confidence of, I'm a child of God. Thank you, sir. I see your hand right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just don't just be bold right now. Just don't let the enemy rob you of an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Let's pray together. Can we all just pray this prayer? Jesus, thank you for dying for us. Thank you for shedding your blood for me so my sins could be forgiven. I need your presence. I need your love. And I need your grace. Jesus, I repent. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I surrender to you. Lord, help me to live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, we don't want to embarrass you, but if you just fill out that card in the pew that said, I made a decision, it's got the green line across the top, and just either bring it to the lobby or bring it up here, and uh, and we will we have a gift for you. We want to get you help you get started on this journey. How many of you are glad to be in the family of God today? How many of you are glad to be part of... Amen. Come on, how many of you believe the Lord can help us do more next year than this year? Amen. Father, I pray the favor and the blessing of the Lord over the people of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. You have a wonderful day.